Good morning. It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW in Sitka. Today is Wednesday, April 27, 2022. I'm Peter Apathy, and this is Raven News. When the Sitka Assembly met last night, it unanimously approved a $30,000 appropriation to repair a portion of Sitka Cross Trail. The section of the cross trail between Kramer Avenue and Cascade Creek washed out during a heavy rain event in late January, rendering it impassable. Sitka Trail Works Executive Director Ben Huey told Assembly members that runoff from above the trail had pooled in the area, causing the slump to occur. The city plans to hire Troy's excavation to make the repairs with a June 15th deadline. The Assembly will consider the item again on second reading at its May 10th meeting. In other business, the Assembly discussed how it should address two issues related to health and public safety, child care availability and snow removal. The group voted to request recommendations on the unrelated issues from two city commissions. We'll have more on those discussions on Raven News tonight at 518. Yakutat is a small community nestled at the base of the Wrangell-St. Elias mountain range. The remote southeast hamlet is over 200 miles from the nearest city, but Yakutat is considered far out for other reasons besides its location. In fact, it's home to one of Alaska's best surf breaks, boasting a small but ever-growing surf community. KCAW's Tosh Kimmel reports. Like any coastal Alaska town, Yakutat attracts thousands of tourists each year looking for their next big catch. But while most of them are looking for halibut and king salmon, a select few are looking to catch something else. Waves. Tell me your name. Eddie. Okay, and and, uh, where are we and why are you here? We are in Yakutat for surfing and camping. Okay, and how did you hear about the surf scene in Yakutat? I know about the surf scene in Yakutat through a friend, Sean Dog. He's from Haines. And he grew up in Yakutat, and we came here, we all work for a helicopter ski operation, and the snow got bad, so we came to Yakutat to surf. I stumbled on Eddie and his group my first day in Yakutat. They'd flown in the day before to camp on Cannon Beach, and with any luck, ride a few waves. What's your name? Uh, Kia. Kia Quinn. How did you hear about surfing in Yakutat? Just through these guys. They do their year-end, uh kind of staff party all the time and uh, my boyfriend works with them and so I was like awesome always wanted to come to Yakutat. Do you guys surf too? Uh, A little bit. Yeah what are your names? My name's Juniper and and I'm Miley. Does the cold and the snow not bother you guys? It's worth noting that it's snowing sporadically and the group is collectively trying to get a fire going. I love winter like I love the snow yeah. Got a dress for it. There are few places in the world where world-class waves meet unobstructed views of the temperate rainforest. For local surfer Freddie Munoz, that's just a small part of what makes surfing this break so special. It's pretty amazing when you can be in the water and you're surfing and you look down and there's salmon that are swimming underneath you and then there's terns that are flying above you and it's one of the most incredible experiences that I've ever had and it's really connected with nature and and understanding that it's it's working with nature and and being able to to share a place. Mignot says the connection to nature is unparalleled, although at times it can be a little distracting. 
So I've surfed in Australia, Panama, I've surfed in Hawaii. I've been to these places and but there's there's something like there's sea lions right there that are surfing a wave. See that sea lion and the wave right there on the left? While the scenery is breathtaking, it's the community itself which Minos finds most unique. It's very welcoming here. We we want to surf with other people. We know that it, it's hard to surf here. You're in colder water. The currents are really strong. Kind of need local information, local knowledge. If you plan on getting some really good waves, you you have to be able to to work with other people. Minos started surfing 15 years ago after relocating to Yakutat for high school. He says he's watched the surf community skew younger since he first started. And it's just really amazing to see how these kids are just, it's so intuitive and they just are just really good at surfing. And they've looked at the ocean as as a way of putting food on their table. And now you can look at the ocean and, and see it as a form of play. The younger generation getting more involved in the surf community is due in large part to Yakutat's annual surf camp, which will celebrate its fourth year this summer. That's where 15-year-old Zoe Bullard first got on a board. I never really paid attention to surfing. I never really acknowledged the waves and, you know, I kind of had that idea in the back of my head, like, that would be, you know, that'd be cool, that'd be fun. And last summer, my auntie took me out to surf for surf camp. I never put on a wetsuit. I never anything until surf camp. Bullard says she still remembers catching her first wave. It was like the third day of surf camp and everybody was all tired and the wetsuits were cold and it was raining the night before. So we all weren't feeling anything. And Although learning to surf was challenging, Bullard says there's nothing like the calming feeling of riding a wave. It was like this big wave and everybody's like, party wave, and like nobody caught the wave. And then I started paddling super hard and then I was at the top of the wave and it it just felt nice. As a kid who grew up in Yakutat, surfing fosters a deeper connection to her hometown. But as an indigenous person, it also brings her closer to the land her ancestors have been on for millennia. We're tied to this land indigenously and surfing adds to that, I guess. I mean, I still see it as dangerous and scary, but I also see it as a new door, you know. I see it more peaceful and more like a like a hug from the world, you know. Bullard says she hopes the legacy of surfing in Yakutat will continue for generations to come and open more doors for her community. But for now, she's just excited to get back to surf camp. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Tosh Kimmel. The U.S. Supreme Court declined to intervene on Monday in a case over Alaska's authority to regulate off-reservation fishing. The legal fight centered on a Metlakatla man charged with illegally fishing in waters just outside the reservation's marine boundaries. But as KRBD's Eric Stone reports, it's not the end of the line for the tribe's legal efforts to exempt Metlakatla fishermen from state regulations. Metlakatla tribal member John Scudero Jr. was fishing for coho salmon near his home on Annette Island south of Ketchikan. He says his recollection remains as clear today as it was eight years ago when he was picked up. I was taken in by the Coast Guard because I was so-called outside of our boundaries of uh, Annette Island. 
He was charged with illegal fishing. Scudero didn't have a permit to fish in state waters outside the 3,000-foot marine boundaries of Alaska's only native reservation. He was convicted and fined $20,000. Scudero took his case to the Alaska Supreme Court. He argued the state didn't have the authority to prevent him from fishing in traditional territory of his tribe. It's part of a long-running dispute between Metlakatla tribal members and state authorities. The 1891 law that created the Annette Islands Reserve guaranteed the tribe a self-sustaining home, and Metlakatla Indian community members like Scudero argue that the tribe can't sustain itself without fishing in areas near Ketchikan and Prince of Wales Island outside the reservation's boundaries. We've been a fishing tribe for the last 120 years, and uh, uh, we continue to fish. He says Metlakatla's citizens never ceded rights guaranteed by the 19th century law creating the reservation. Michigan State University law professor Matthew Fletcher has been tracking Scudero's case. He's an expert on indigenous legal affairs in the United States. It's not surprising at all. It is disappointing because I, I thought the Alaska Supreme Court did a particularly superficial job in analyzing the arguments in this case, uh, most notably the principle of conservation necessity. That's a principle that says states can regulate tribal hunting and fishing in an effort to preserve fish or game for future generations. It's a really high bar. Nobody, no state's ever met it before. And uh, the Alaska Supreme Court basically just said that the state of Alaska has an interest in maintaining uh, the resource, and that's enough. But Fletcher says Scudero's case is far from the last word. The tribe itself, Matlakala Indian Community, has a similar case pending in the federal Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, which challenges the state's right to regulate tribal members fishing outside the reservation. I'd say, as a general matter, it is very much a better vehicle to review these questions. State attorneys argued late last year that the state's fishing permit system is essential to maintaining sustainable wild salmon runs. Fletcher says that case could have far-reaching consequences for tribes in Alaska and up and down the West Coast under the court's jurisdiction. It could give states more power to regulate indigenous hunting and fishing rights or offer stricter protections for traditional harvesting. Reflecting on the high court's refusal to take his case, Scudero says he'll be watching for the appeals court's decision in his tribe's case. He says it's about holding the U.S. Congress to the law it passed more than a century before. I just want everybody to know I'm just a messenger, and uh, the rights are already there, whether um, the state or the United States government wants to uh, abide by what they had written. Otherwise, uh, their word means nothing. A decision in the tribe's Ninth Circuit case is expected later this year. Reporting in Ketchikan, I'm Eric Stone. And a couple things from our community calendar. Stargavin Recreation Area is closed to vehicular traffic today and tomorrow due to Sitka Ranger District felling of trees. And Sitka National Historical Park's hours are expanding for the summer season. I'm Peter Apathy, and this has been Raven News.